we are um, we are going to conclude our stewardship ser- uh, series today. So hold your applause till the very end. We are um, we we have been in a series talking about stewardship, and those of you who've been around a while know that oftentimes pastors use stewardship as a code for give money to the church. I'll save you the trouble of wondering, is he going to ask me to give to the church? Of course I am a pastor, right? So of course I want you to give to the church. But I want to talk about um, kind of where where we've come from and and finish it up today in a way that helps you understand why I'm asking you to give to the church. So, so we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, we began by talking about stewardship, that despite what pastors say, stewardship is a much bigger topic than than giving money to the church, and it is the idea that everything we have belongs to God, that <clears throat> every single thing, our our life experience as well as tangible things like our uh, bank account and, and um, our car, all those things belong to God, and God has entrusted them to us to use the way God would if he were in your position. So so uh, to, to, to be uh, with those things the way God is with his things. So, so that is the way we act as stewards. And the way that we do that is by being generous. And so God wants you to be generous. He's got more where that came from. He's not worried about your ROI. He's not worried about, you know, you, you might lose some in some speculative venture. God wants you to be generous and give what he's got, what he's given you, away. So that's the idea of stewardship. And um, we, uh, we, we began there. Um, and then last week we talked about um, if you choose to point some of your generosity at the church, this is something you have the choice to do. And some of you have been injured by a church or you've been part of a church that was was not really worthy of that generosity. So if that's if that's your story, then um, then you should not be giving money to to that church or those churches. But I want to talk about this church. I want to make it concrete. I want to talk about our church and what you do when you point your generosity at this church. So last week we talked about the first of two things you get. The first thing you get when you point your, your generosity at this church is you get, you get the, this congregation. You get the congregation, which is all the people around you, and you get the facility we meet in, and you get the paid staff, people like me. So you get that. And what that provides is it, it, is it provides a safe place where people can hear the good news that Jesus, um, that, that God loves them and sent Jesus to reconnect, uh, you to Him. And you can hear that the first time or maybe you can hear it the 100th time because you need to hear it again. So you get the facility, you get the place where people hear the good news. You also get the congregation where you get a chance to, to be encouraged instead of discouraged as you try to lean into what Jesus is teaching you to, to actually put into practice the things that God makes uh, promises about, and you can try them out and be encouraged by the people around you. So you get the congregation, and then you get the facilities that, that are part of it. But I said last week, you get something else when when you uh, contribute to support the church. You get the mission of the church. And what we saw last week, um, there, there's a quote from a, from a, um, a 20th century theologian, Emil Bruner. He said, the church exists by mission like a fire exists by burning. That it's that central to what a church is about. That if, if a church is not missional, then it's really not even a church. So that's the way he put it. I like a different analogy. Somebody once said, I don't know who, where I heard this, but, um, the church is like the, um, the, the phrase, you know, you've flown somewhere and they said, uh, put your own oxygen mask on before assisting the people around you. The church is like the oxygen mask and then assisting the people around you is like 
is like the mission of the church. So, so that's another picture that we see. So what I want to do is I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the mission of the church. What happens after you put on, you know, this oxygen mask, this church, this congregation? What happens next? What do you do? How do you assist the people around you? So our, re- our reading today comes from, um, one of Paul's letters, the Paul letter, the letter that Paul wrote to the uh, Ephesians, and we're going to pick it up in verse ten of chapter two. So, <clears throat> so Paul says, "We are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way we live our lives." So this is what God is doing. When we want to be part of God's mission, when we want to participate in the thing God is doing, this is what God is doing. God is creating a um, a community of people, a family of people who do good things. And uh, the way he does that is by taking people who maybe don't or don't do them as much as they should or could. So God takes people and changes them so that they do good things. We We are restored to our original purpose. God created us in Christ Jesus to do good things, and um, that fulfills God's plans that the good things we do would be the way we characteristically live our lives. So that's that's the big idea that Paul's talking about. What are we here for? What are you here for? What is the church trying to do? And then he he kind of backs up a little bit and says, remember, you know, you have benefited from this. So he's talking to a, a Gentile audience in Ephesus, and he says this, he says, remember you, that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, so he's talking to Gentiles, people who are not Jews, and they were called uncircumcised by Jews who are physically circumcised. So uh, that uh, the people he's, he's writing to are not part of the family of Abraham. They're not part of the, the, the tribe of uh, Israel, the, the tribes of Israel. They're not Jews. And so he says, you were disconnected from God. He says, at that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenants of God's promise. So Israel had been chosen by God to be the instrument that he would bring salvation to the world. So they have a relationship with God. So Israel is in a different category than Gentiles. And Gentiles, he says, have now been brought close. He says, in this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He says, this is what God is doing. God is at work in the world to bring people who were not part of his family into his family. It's like I told the children, God is collecting people. So he goes on, he talks a little bit about Jesus, and then he says, when Jesus came, he announced the good news of peace to you who are far away from God and those who are near. So he announces the same message of peace to people who are um, near and far. And he says, we both have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. Jesus has reconnected us to God, that we are no longer alienated, we're no longer separated from God. He says, you're no longer strangers and aliens, rather you're fellow citizens with God's people, and you belong to God's household. So household, um, in this sense, he's about to change the metaphor on us, and so it's tricky. Household is everybody who lives in the same place and shares meals. So that's the U.S. Census Department, and that's what that's what we mean here in the, the Scripture. The household is everybody who lives in it under a roof. So he says, so we are part of God's household. We are all part of that. We share meals. And he says, as God's household, you're built on the foundation of the apostles. 
So now he suddenly changed the metaphor. He's saying, he's saying, you're not the family that lives in the house. You are the house. He says, you um, uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building is joined together in him, and it grows up into a temple. Now, normally or often, Paul in his letters uses a different metaphor. He says, he says, we are the body of Christ, that Christ is the head, and we are the shoulders and the feet and the, the spleen and whatever other parts of the body we are. We are the body of Christ. That's a metaphor that Paul often uses. Here he says it's something different. We are a spiritual building, that we are the bricks, you know, the blocks that are used to construct this building. And the reason for that is that God is building a temple to live in. And in the first century, everybody would have understood this language. The, the idea is that, is that God, um, the, uh, the temple, any temple, is the place where heaven meets earth. So God dwells in that spot. So it's the, it's the thin place where heaven connects with earth. And he says that we, this spiritual house, this temple, is that place where God connects with the earth. So we are the place where God is at work in the world doing this thing that he is doing. What is he doing? He is uh, creating people in Christ Jesus to do good things. So that is the picture. He says Christ is building you into a place where God lives by the Spirit, through the Spirit. So that is, that is the big picture of what God is doing. And it's our story. If you're a Christian, if you have trusted Christ, you are included in this. So, so that's the picture of what we're up to and uh, what we're trying to do. And um, the, the place where that um, connects with mission is the idea that um, a mission is some, something you're sent to do. Um, the word mission literally means sent. There's a lot of words. Um, you mechanical type people know about a transmission. It, it sends something through something else. There's a remission. You send something back. There's omissions. You forget to send something. So, so missions have to do with sending. So God is sending first Christ and now his church into the world. So that is the idea of mission. And we just heard why God is doing that. So the, the purpose of the mission is to be about the work of God. So that's what the mission's about. Now, why does God call us to do that? I mean, we know what he's trying to achieve, but why? And the answer is what I told the children. God is a collector. God collects people. Every so often I get, I get a message from, um, or a message, I, I am presented by YouTube with an episode of Jay Leno's Garage. Has anyone seen Jay Leno's Garage? Okay, several of you have seen it. Okay, what's the deal with Jay Leno, all right? He used to host the Tonight Show. He got paid a lot. And what did he spend his money on? Cars, lots and lots of cars, right? He's got, uh, uh, as of uh, the, the best estimate I saw, the most recent estimate I saw, says he's got about 180 cars and about 160 motorcycles. And he stores them all in the Big Dog Garage, which is not actually a garage. It's a bunch of aircraft hangers at the Burbank Airport. So that's how many cars he's got. And the reason is because he loves cars. He is a collector of cars. Earlier this year, you probably saw in the news, he was working on one of his cars, and it caught fire, and he was injured, and he's better now. But but uh, he loves cars. He loves working on them. He loves polishing them. He loves driving around and talking to people in them. So, so Jay Leno loves cars. And God loves people. And the mission of the church is to help him grow his collection. So that's, that's what 
the the mission of the church is is to help God grow or or be the instrument whereby God grows his his um, collection. And here's here's the thing, right? Imagine if you were a friend of Jay Leno's, right? And you called him up and he said, "Hey, you want to come over?" If you like cars, you'd say sure. If it's the first time ever, you might say sure. But suppose it's the thirtieth time. What do you think he's going to ask you to to come over and do? Right? He's not going to say let's go to the beach. He's going to say let's go to my garage and let's look at cars. Let's tinker with cars. Let's get in a fire with cars. Let's let's um, polish fenders. Let's go for a drive in a car. If you don't like cars, you're probably not going to be friendly with Jay Leno, right? And so the the idea of the mission is that people aren't naturally friendly. We we aren't naturally um, friendly. We're not naturally um, uh, like God. We aren't naturally in love with people, except the ones who are lovable. Whereas God loves people generally. And so if you're going to spend eternity with God, if you're going to spend eternity in God's big dog garage, then you better like cars, right? You better like the people that God collects. And the mission of the church is an opportunity to actually practice being the kind of people that Paul says we have become. That we have been created, but how do you know? Right? If you're kind of indifferent to people, they don't bother me, no skin off my nose one way or the other, then how do you know if you are becoming the kind of person who likes people, who likes to go spend time with Jay Leno in his garage, polishing fenders. So that's what we are trying to do. We're trying to find out if we really love what God loves, if we're the kind of people that God has made us into the kind of people who love what he loves. And this is why, this is why the Apostle James says, true devotion, if you want to worship God properly, true devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows and their difficulties and keep the world from contaminating us, to love what God loves. That's why the prophet um, uh, uh, Isaiah said that that the way to worship God, the kind of worship that God uh, likes, is when people cease to do evil and learn to do good. It's not enough to simply stop doing evil. Isaiah says, no, learn to do good. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. So, it's why Paul says in Ephesians that we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. Because we have this opportunity to find out can we really love the things that God loves? So, that is the idea of mission. And a church, we're talking about giving to the church, right? A church is a failure unless it promotes people to get up out of rooms like this and go love people. No matter how good the preaching is, no matter how good the music is, how, how exuberant the music is, the church is a failure if it is not helping people love what God loves because that's preparing them for eternity. So, how do we do that? Well, this church does it, I think, very well. When you give to this church, you support the the, the things we talked about last week. That You support the congregation, the, the building, the paid staff, the, the 
parking lot, things that we have to do to meet here. But you also support the mission of the church. And <clears throat> there's a lot of ways we do that. You support it collectively. We we give to mission partners like our two denominations. About half of what we give to our denominations is essentially mission of one kind or another. And then on top of that, we give regularly if there's some kind of a crisis in the world. Uh, people in this church give to Presbyterian Disaster Assistance or United Methodist Committee on Relief. We give money to that. We give money... <clears throat> Um, beyond that, we give money, uh, you give money through this church to uh, partners who are local, like uh, the Lutheran Social Services um, uh, Food Bank up in Bernard, uh, up in Spinard. Um, uh, so far this year, so it is the middle of October, so far this year, we've given um, almost $11,000 to, um, to that food bank, um, <clears throat> which works out to about... 48,000 meals for families here in our community. Um, it's about 23 tons of food if, if you work it out that way. So, so you have done that. Um, we give, we're, we're coming up on the holiday season. We have regularly for the last several years, we've given money to Gladys Wood to provide meals to people. Um, uh, in our uh, Christmas meals over the Christmas break. This church gives benevolence money. Um, the, the people come to this church with a particular need. They've got, um, they've got, uh, uh, like, like the, the prayer concern we had today. Somebody had, had, uh, got it, got ill. They lost their job. They were moving from one place to another. They needed a hotel. Um, we've had people who, uh, needed a, a utility bill paid or even a rent bill paid. And we've supported that so far this year. We've given about $5,000 in benevolence um, giving to individual people. So those are some of the things you do when you give to the church. But the church also helps create opportunities for people to get up out of rooms like this and go love the people that God loves. And the, what, what I mean by that is, is we all want to do good, right? But what the church does is it creates opportunities and it gives you companions who will do it too, right? Everybody can want to do something, but unless it's a date on your calendar, you might not get around to it. So we schedule things. We schedule a, the Northwood cleanup where you actually have an opportunity to go do something that's a little weird, picking up litter by the side of the road with other people who will encourage you to do it, right? That is getting up out of this room and actually being about the work of blessing our community. We have opportunities like the garage sale. I know a lot of you volunteered for the garage sale earlier this year, and that was an opportunity for you to do something maybe you didn't feel like, but there were people there to encourage you. So you actually got up out of rooms like this and, and made a difference. How, how kind of, how, what kind of a difference did you make? Well, nearly $1,000 to the Awake Shelter um, here in town which uh, um, I forget what it stands for, women um, and infants, something like that. Anyway, it's uh, practical purposes, it's mostly um, refugees from domestic violence. So you gave almost $1,000 that. You gave another $500 to the Lutheran Social Services Food Bank. You gave about uh, almost $500 to, uh, to relief from, from the storms in uh, western Alaska. You have opportunities to volunteer with HUGS, the, the school supply program, uh, Thanksgiving blessings coming up. You can bring cranberry sauce, and you can also volunteer to help uh, fill up the boxes. Um, you, you give um, Christmas presents, 
uh, and you can be involved in wrapping them. There's lots of ways that you can actually do things. You can actually get closer and actually meet some of the people that God loves. Not simply send them a check, which is good. They need that. But sometimes you have the opportunities because of this church to actually meet the people that God loves. So why are we involved in mission? The reason we're involved in mission is because God collects people. And we want, we want to, we want to chase after the things that are close to God's heart. And so we try to do it as a congregation. When you give to this church, you're supporting the church in, in its fellowship and its uh, teaching, but you're also celebrate, you're also supporting the church in its mission as we seek to love the people that God loves. So, does the pastor want you to give money to the church? Yes, I want you to point some of your generosity. What you do is up to you. But yes, I think it's it's a good place to spend some of your generosity to support the work of this church in its community, its teaching, and its mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we were all once far off, but you brought us close in Christ. You connected us back to yourself and you've given us his Holy Spirit now to guide us and direct us. So Lord, I pray for this church and its mission that we would be effective in loving the people that you love and discovering by doing that that we have actually become like you, like Jesus, that we love people who sometimes are not lovable. Help us, Lord, to to trust that when we are generous in these ways, we are carrying out your will and that you want us, you gave us these things so that we could be generous with them. We pray all this through Christ our Lord and for his sake. Amen.